Welcome to the Vox Pop. We believe that everyone has a story worth telling. This podcast exists to tell those stories. I'm Peter. And I'm Hannah. Today we are joined by Jimmy Branch. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for letting me come do this. So what's your favorite idiom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, force for the trees. Yeah. No, when? See the forest for the trees. That's your favorite one. Uh, hey, I've been put on the spot. And we, it just came out. So I'll think of some more. We don't have to talk about idioms. No, that's fine. I'm Six and one, one, half dozen and another. Yeah, that one's your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. But the forest for the trees does not make sense to me. It just means you can't see the big picture. I know I know the saying, <laughs> but I still don't understand why we're trying to see the forest for the trees. Or am I thinking of it incorrectly? I think you're I think you're looking at it wrong. Like you're too busy looking at the trees to know that they form a gigantic forest. Yeah. You're looking at the small parts, but not the whole. That's the perfect explanation. I okay. I, I understand the saying, but I still don't understand why we're looking for the actual trees. Can they not look for themselves? I feel like we're getting ready to have a <laughs> conversation about Calvinism versus <laughs> What's your favorite idiom, Hannah? Oh, I can't. I'm not an Indian person because I mess them up. Yeah. What do you think people mess up the most often? For idioms? Anything. Like people always say. <laughs> so broad. <laughs> people always say. Spelling? Intensive purposes. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, that drives me crazy. What is intensive purposes? <laughs> like for these intensive purposes. Like. Oh, no. You know what people I bet mess up the most is. Uh, Oh, what is it? I couldn't care less. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or neither either. I feel like people get those all funky. I can think of some intensive purposes. <laughs> yeah, but people always say that, and it's intense and purposes. <laughs> Just for everyone out there. Intense and, and purposes. purposes. Yeah, that would be a good band name, though, for if any listeners are yeah. starting a band, an indie band. Former podcast guest use that. Intense purposes. Yeah. Wow, you could double bill that Christian or not, just like <laughs> yeah, whatever I'm venue you're playing is. I'm going to start a new podcast called Intense Purposes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a spinoff of the Vox Pop. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's on board. <laughs> totally. What have you been up to lately? Oh, wow. It's been a really big month. <clears throat> I just came back from this class, spiritual direction class. School of Spiritual Direction, which is, it was it was amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I always go to things like that, and I usually shoot them in the foot. And what I mean by that is I usually go and develop all these, uh, I overanalyze, and I'll tend to look at things and figure out a way why they're, like, could be different or better. Or, mm -hmm. like, I'm not for this, but this was really good. I had a lot of prayer going into it, and it was a really good uh, week just learning about spiritual direction. Recently had a surgery we won't talk about, but I'm through that feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. And And then... Eldership. Yeah, as of this morning. We're yeah. recording on October the 11th. Yeah, so that's you been a, a You did long. it. Congratulations. It is not for the faint heart. No, it is not. Because <laughs> I resisted for a long time. Like, we would talk about it for, I'm talking several years, and I would just look at the requirements. And it's not that I didn't want to do them, but I didn't want to do them because it's like, that's, Wow, because it—I mean, it, I knew what it was going to do, and <clears throat> so it was a very long journey. But I get to know myself and others much better, and and you really get to really dig in on what you believe. So now you're officially official. Before you were just <laughs> posing. That's right. So. I think you're our first elder guest <gasps> on the Vox Pop. Is it Ron? Didn't Ron? Brian, Not yet. Brian did it, and he's technically oh, yeah. an elder. Oh, okay. This is this going to be fun. I'm already having fun. Oh yeah. It's Not that I haven't had fun on other ones. <laughs> I. There'll be a lot of laughing. So anybody that has trouble with lots of laughing. Well, Just turn I, us off now. Yeah. I tend to do that even with a lot because I feel like God's always, everything for me has always been backwards or not the way they do for norm, normally for people. And so I've always been like, really? This is the way you're going to do this, God? Like this is how this is going to happen? But so I've learned how to just take it in stride and laugh at it. I just figure he gives me lots of stuff to 
laugh at myself with others. So I'm very, <laughs> I'm very analytical and I'm working on that actually. <clears throat> Cause it can be, yeah, I'll say like, I'll give you an example. Some of the, so like for a long time being in denomination, uh, you know, just being, we'll, we'll say Baptist, we'll say that we'll use that one. And that's what the one I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, so you'd always hear preachers preach and they would say, or, or other people in that, they would say, well, God's testing you. Like, why is this happening? God's testing you. Like if the struggles you have and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But if I pass it this week, is am I done? No, because I may fail it next week, and it would always drive me crazy. I'm like, we're we're like working for the test or something, like it, just that that thought. So I analyze stuff like that, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna mess up again at some point. So I think it's a living, ongoing thing. Not I put, when I get it passed, then I get instantly teleported to heaven, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be challenged over and over. And I just don't think God's sitting around like, okay, test week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> test one. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that a lot too, and I, I get what you're saying. It didn't really cross my mind until now, even though we talked about this earlier this week. Is uh, that totally still puts the emphasis on like how moral can I be? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and like that's kind of the yeah. tenet of Christianity. Is like I can't help myself. Like, <laughs> yeah, if it's on me, like I'm sunk. Yeah, totally sunk. And it's maybe the failure sometimes is what makes us lean into Him and say, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I think maybe the positive way to view the testing uh, kind of analogy of God testing us would be kind of re- refining, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think refined is a better word than yeah, because test sounds like it's pass or fail. Yeah, like you know. So. You guys haven't gotten your pass stamp yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, let's get into your life a little bit. Can you tell us about? where you grew up and what your childhood was like? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up here in Asheville, actually South Asheville. I don't claim Asheville. I claim Arden Skyland area. Mm -hmm. I wish you could have seen it back then. It was much better than it is today. But we had a lot of, lots of places to play that are now housing development. So, uh, but it was great growing up there. This would have been, you know, a long time ago. I grew up, so as far as Christianity, I was very blessed that my grandparents were believers they were very solid. Actually, over the years, I've tried to debate how their son could be so not that way. Your dad. Yeah, not a not a believer because they were like salt to the earth. Like they were the ones I remember. I won't say it's the time that it really, I believe it was when I was saved. But believe me, there was a lot of times over the years where I'm like, okay, now I'm saved. Like because God's carrying you through this journey. But my grandparents were the the influence I had. You know, I remember my grandmother praying with me and I would go, I went to church with them. Until I was about, probably about eight. My parents didn't go. Uh, my dad wasn't a believer. My mom was, uh, she believed like people like, oh yeah, there's a God. But there was nothing in her life that she didn't grow up in that kind of environment. And so for me, once I got to the age where I realized that I didn't have to be going to church, because what would happen is my grand, my parents would drop me off at my grandparents on Friday while they went and did fun stuff. It was fun being with my grandparents. I learned a lot from being with my grandparents, great-grandparents. I was actually fortunate enough to know great-grandparents on both sides. So I got to, so I did get that. That foundation was put in there a little bit. But once I got to an age where I was like, wait, I could be hanging out with my friends playing Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood because we were pretty free. Um, I was pretty free to just roam the neighborhood. So about that, that's probably about, I'd say about eight or 10, I kind of started Falling away. And then the interesting thing about this thing the other day, my dad would do things like he would send me away to a Christian camp, but it was be- not because he was trying to instill something in me. It gave him freedom. <laughs> to get- yeah. So I got sent to some decent Christian camps, you know, at a young age, uh, which did play a huge role. I knew it was there. I knew I believed in this God. I knew about this Jesus and I loved him. But once I kind of got away from that, then I got into middle school and high school. And, you know, just because of maybe family life and my parents were opposites. So my dad was like this educated, do everything by the book, clean cut. My mom was like just opposite or whatever you want to think about that. So there was always this pull from both sides. Uh, One parent was the fun parent, but that wasn't necessarily healthy. And the other parent was the hard, they were really hard on you Mm -hmm. for everything. And so you just kind of gave in. So I probably started... That's so how, how I kind of got into, uh, say, BMX or bicycles and skateboarding, because were those were because I didn't feel connected to anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't have real family life once I started doing that. So I found family, I found community in those groups, and that's just where I found the most acceptance. 
And so that's how I got into those. And that was pretty much my, up until the end of my high school years, that's what I, I did. I just hung out with uh, those groups of people, probably toward the end, mostly just skateboarding and stuff. It all kind of transferred into that. So mm-hmm. it's been a lot of times. So I still <clears throat> enjoy that community quite a bit. So it was about that time, probably when I got to high school, I started driving. There were some changes coming then. I started hanging out with maybe some little different groups, uh, but also uh, ended up, uh, let's see, doing all the things that teenagers do late in their teen years and into young adult and met my wife through a friend of a friend kind of thing, and we got married. And How old were y'all when you were married? Oh, wow. You shouldn't do this. I hope she doesn't listen to the podcast. Well, you don't um, have to say how old you are now. <laughs> I don't have to say all the time now. Uh, it was early 20s. I was probably, let's see, I would have been uh, 21. Wow. Was when we got married, 21 or 22. Wow. So, but we didn't have our daughter till 29. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing the math. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my journey. And through that, I, well, so I will tell you this. I'll back up. Probably, and I think this was God probably saving me from a lot of junk because of the people I was running with. I did meet this 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 girl, and her family was believers, and all of a sudden I had this family I never had. You know what I mean? Like this family life, because they were doing that. This is in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, wow, okay. I'm still super resistant. Sure. You know, because I was that typical punk rock when it wasn't pop culture, skateboarding mm-hmm. when it wasn't pop culture. It's totally pop. All that's pop culture now. Everybody's doing it. But I was very resistant, but I did see this like, wait, I knew I loved Jesus, and this family was doing these things, and it made me go okay, this is this is good stuff. And I resisted it, but then I was drawn in. And so at that point, I started making those changes. I found it, got into a church, stuck with it, would do youth group and all that stuff, and, and just started growing from there more. And that's how life's been. It's been stages of growth and times where it felt like I slipped back. But yeah, so by the time we got married, we were, you know, we were going to a church here locally and I was I was already probably helping a lot with youth, teaching occasionally. I definitely teach a youth Sunday school class and uh, preach occasionally. wasn't a lot of standards, <laughs> so I think I did all right. Maybe um, I don't know if I would uh, like myself now if I could hear myself preaching back then, but just doing what I knew to do. And so that was where we were at. And we weren't like totally committed, but we were we were pretty regular church tenders. I had friends, friend that was in the ministry, childhood friend growing up. We both, so it's an interesting thing. We both grew up, same thing, similar family lives. Uh, his, he had lost his dad at an early age, and in me and my dad's relationship was almost nil. Like, it was just, I worked or whatever, like whatever he had me do, and that was it. So we spent a lot, a lot of time together. He ended up getting, it was weird because we both got around the same time that I met this family, he met this family, their mother this girl's mother actually challenged him with the gospel. He'd never really heard it because he hadn't grown up in a house. With it. And she basically was like, and people can say whatever they want about people who, you know, say, well, you're going to go to hell if you don't, you know, get saved. That's what he needed. So this girl was like, hey, are you a Christian? When they'd started talking, he's like, well, I don't know. I, I guess. I don't know. And so her mom got on the phone at some point and was like, hey, here's a deal. And she led him through the gospel and said, and you don't know Jesus you know, your fate. And he gave his heart to Jesus and he's never turned back. But as kids, we were these skaters. I remember we never rejected anything like that. A guy one time stopped and gave us Bibles. That's all he did when we were skating. And we kept, I think I still have that Bible and that's been many decades ago. But so he, I was going to the same church as him. So God surrounded me with such good people and he getting into that family. I think about it all the time. If I hadn't, because I got lots of friends who are still in that other community and I hurt for them and you just look and go man I probably wouldn't have made it this far you know I wouldn't have been alive today or I'd have been really messed up somewhere but uh, so so thankful for all that so that's how that was the that was the early years so Mm -hmm. nice thanks I can relate to you we have bikes in common yeah and BMX and skateboarding and mountain biking at least not here but what it used to be like all those sports are fringe, I think, yeah. or were very fringe. Were. <laughs> They're becoming more mainstream now. Yeah. But uh, I think I loved the fact, like, I knew I was a weirdo. Yeah, and, me like, too. <laughs> everyone in those communities kind of knew that they were weirdos. Yes. And so I found that to be so freeing. It's like, yeah. Like, you can just be yourself. And yeah. oh, it's great. <laughs> I will tell you the bicycle community, and you know this. 
and you've even talked about it, like the BMX community is a very, they wouldn't want me to say this loving, but they're a very accepting community. Yeah. Where skateboarders can be a little rougher, but once you're in, you're in. Yeah. You know, I don't know about now. It's a very pop culture now. It's like everybody's doing it, but, uh, um, yeah, so bicycles for me, they actually built a BMX track. It was a national NBL track right beside my house. Mm-hmm. So I spent every day over there. Like every single day I would get up and go to this track and ride around it, ride around it. And there was uh, Liberty Bicycles at the time actually actually had moved into the old hardware store in Arden. It's really small. I mean, I have so many memories there and with the Knicks and round trees. And I would just go down there. As soon as I get home from school, I'd go straight to the bicycle shop and I would clean parts. Never got paid for anything. And I would clean parts, whatever they want me to do, just learn this stuff and be around it. When new bicycles would come in, I'd get to open them because I didn't feel accepted at school. I felt like that outcast. I felt like I was not a part of anything. And that's what drew me to to like, not just the skating, but like punk music. Like it just helped me build myself. It was all wrong. But it yeah. helped me build barriers to say, okay, I'm okay inside this bubble. And yeah. so with the bicycles, just going to the tracks, having that group of friends, uh, there's something about a bicycle. And I think I sometimes I think of you as like, I don't know if it'd be a doppelganger, but I'm like, gosh, me and Peter have so much commonalities, the machining, the mm-hmm. desire to build and make things and uh, see how things work. You're like me. Like, you're like, well, I could pay someone to do this, but I bet I can figure out <laughs> it doesn't always work out, but it's right. pretty cool. You yeah, know, yeah. like, oh, if I put these two things together, yeah, just find a way. And I think that comes from bicycling, being like a gearhead and, and mm-hmm. doing that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think those communities gave me somewhere to feel like I could be a dork and that was okay. Yeah. Like, we're all a bunch of dorks, so you're okay when you're yeah. amongst your. Birds of a feather. There's yeah. another one there. Another <laughs> idiom. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like Rodney Mullen, like in the middle of wherever. Was yeah. he in like Oklahoma? Where's he? Oh no, up? he grew up in Florida, but Florida. he's just doing everything. In the middle of nowhere though. Yeah, yeah. Like just in his garage, like skateboarding like eight, nine hours a day. <laughs> yeah. It's like so by himself yeah. for like a decade. And yeah. then he shows up and he's like amazing. He's and he's a prime example. Uh, you know, Rodney, I don't want to uh mischaracterizing, but oh man, he's just such a genius. He obviously has these struggles. One of the best books I ever read was The Mutt, which was about him. But he's this kid who had no group, no nobody. And that skateboard, you know, his dad made him, he won world champion. Like, he's 13 years old, and then his parents make, his dad makes him quit, and he falls apart because he doesn't have anything else. So his dad lets him come back to doing it. And you, you see that over and over with those guys. Um, Tony Hawk was an outcast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know this. He was spit on a lot by other pros, like spit on, laughed at. He was considered a dork mm-hmm. you know, by this other certain group of... And so those guys all found a place Yeah, there. And um, I'm going to start crying. No, <laughs> I said there's going to be crying. This is going to be the first time you cry over this. But no, I'm not really going to start crying. I could, but... Uh, yeah. Anyway, but you it's that finding that place. And I think a lot of kids now, too, I feel bad for them because they don't have those groups to find. Mm-hmm. I think when I was working with the youth group and stuff, uh, the kids are so much more isolated, and COVID hasn't helped that anymore. But I would see kids and be like, oh, you're talking here a lot. What do you guys spend the night at each other's house? Or you hang out? They don't even have each other's phone number. And I'm like, how do you survive? Like, yeah. if it wasn't for my friend who was meeting me over at the driver's ed at T.C. Robertson to skate for six hours, I would have probably... I don't know what I would have done. Right. And and so the community, there's just such a loss of finding that thing where you feel like you belong. And mm-hmm. I see these kids are so much on their plate, but there's nothing to feel connected to. So it sounds like you had a really deep thirst for community. And skateboarding and BMX filled that for yeah. a while. And at the same time, it's not either or, but the church kind of brought you in. Yeah. With that same kind of community. Well, is that I, true? Yeah, yeah. So I found people, church is a really hard place. And I get it because people, a lot of times, if I'm talking to people, maybe that aren't believers or have hurt, you know, people get hurt in church because they're expecting something out of the church that it's not. You're not going to be accepted by everybody inside the church because yeah. they're all on this different journey and they're all at some different messed up place. Mm-hmm. It's all a bunch of messed up people. So yeah. People are probably going to get upset about that, but. One day you realize you're just more messed up than you think you are mm-hmm. um, or you're willing to admit. But there were people in the church that as I started to, to know this Christ who's reaching out to me, this God who's loving me. And it's been it's been hard uh, because I've always wanted to – it's taken me up 
years for to realize how much my own earthly father, what he expected from me, I try to apply that to God. So even though I would never preach to you great, you know, I would never teach you anything but grace. It's totally by grace. He loved you even when you were still a sinner. You still are a sinner. You know, he loves you. He, it's his righteousness you're wearing. For myself, I would always and still do struggle with trying to apply that to right, but he's not going to be happy with me unless I'm, I should do better. Yeah. I should do better. And there's nothing wrong with striving as long as it's in knowing that he's, there's nothing more you can do. Like you're already accepted. You're already accepted. Yeah. And so with the church, you know, like I said, my best friend growing up gets saved. Uh, he's a pastor now. And uh, and just seeing, finding those people that are knit, you're knit together. You just know it when you're around them. Like you meet them and you're like the statics just coming off and you're like, and knowing that you're at church for Jesus, not for the people. I think sometimes people show up and they think they're just going to be, they want acceptance in their terms and it can only be found by community. It's only community. It, you know, the community groups I've been in, there's, I love every one of them, but there's individuals within the community group that I'm, we click better than others do. That's just, that's, that's just who we are. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's really hard for us to differentiate. We just want, just like we were talking earlier, I can't remember talking to you. We're looking for answers. Christians are always looking to be fixed. We, we want to be fixed for God, which is the irony. We want to be fixed so that we can be better for Him. It's a, it's a moral thing. Well, I can't be because I screw up so much, and so you're always looking to be fixed. But I think I'm starting to realize it's not about being fixed. I mean, you're naturally going to grow. You're naturally going to grow in your love. Those things are – but you're, those things that happened in your childhood – you can't be, it's, but that damage was done for, this is going to be hard to explain. Like it's learning that those things don't, they're not your value. They're not what you're known by. That's not how God sees you as this. I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it. The, that we're messed up and he loves us in our messed upness. Now I'm not saying that as a license to go mess up more. I'm saying that even in your moments, he loved you. He knew before the foundations of the earth, what you were going to do. And that's so hard to come come to grips with, but that I can't fix the relationship I had with my earthly father. But if I get to know my heavenly father better, it surpasses it. Mm -hmm. And I realize my earthly father never could do that anyway. Like, that's what I try to tell my daughter. I'm like, I love you so much, but I'm going to tell you, God loves you so much more than I ever could. And that's hard to say as a parent because you feel like you're letting them down, but it's just the reality. Like, I can't do it. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, inside the church, I found some close friends and people with the same struggle. I think that's where communities built is when people go, man, I'm falling apart and I can't do this or having someone look at me and go. So I have like four, uh, five, well, I have more. I have, I have at least five people that I meet with six people regularly at different times. And they are people that I can just pour myself into and they can pour themselves into me and we can be broken together. We can be like, I'm not getting it this week. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't do it. And that's that community that's like going, man, we're just all growing in him and, and he's with us. That's so hard to, to realize sometimes that he's, that he's with us in this. Cause I know for me, I'm like, I'm messing up. I'm not getting it right. I'm not telling people what they need to hear. Did I help that person? So I'm always laying this burden on myself. And then that makes me go, there's that works that's hiding in there that goes, you're obviously not doing enough. Or if you were closest to him, if you were praying enough, if you're reading your word enough, see, that's become works. Yeah. You've slipped over into not doing it because you are free and because you are loved. You're doing it because now you're trying to earn it. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a constant tip back and forth. So Yeah. All good. Uh, you were talking about, Preaching grace, but then adding a but oh, onto that. Do you want to expand on I, <laughs> <laughs> So, and that's what I, here's a plug for Messio. I love Messio because, um, man, I just remember Brian the first time I ever spoke, and he's like, you just got to have the gospel in it. You got to have the gospel, which is cool because that's what I want. Like, I'm all about that. Like, even if you get everything else wrong, as long as the gospel's right, everything else will wash out. But uh, growing up in the times that I was in church and later in my 20s, I would get so angry because I would hear someone set people free with the grace of or a grace, the gospel, but then they would come in with all this but. You know, they'd be like, 
but now you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And those are like no brainers anyway. There's certain things you shouldn't be doing. And if you do them, you know, but, but it was just that always, you could just never have grace. There was always some addendum to it to make sure you go is grace, but, Mm -hmm. and it's just not the way it works. And I think it's like, there's a fear. Like if people understand grace that they're just going to go. Yeah. They're just going to run off. Crazy. That's what I always felt like ministers are afraid that if they share grace, I mean, even Martin Luther, you know, had people come against him and say, well, people are going to do whatever they want to now. And the same thing people were saying about Paul, you know, like, well, fine then, we'll just do whatever. And that's not what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But grace is so freeing. I don't think many have gotten it here. Like, yeah. I know I have not gotten it to the point. You know, one of my scriptures, <laughs> I repeat this every is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Anytime you hear me preach, I'll probably bring it up. Because mm-hmm. he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I shall give you rest. And I look around me, and I go, nobody's resting. Mm-hmm. No Christians, not many, some kind of seem like they're resting better than others, but there's this rest to be had. I feel there's this greater rest to be had that we just can't lay hold of it, not because we don't have enough head knowledge, not because we don't have everything going right in our lives, but because we don't know how to just trust and let go. Yeah. And that's easier said than done. It is easier said than done. And back to the like idea that like if, if we – preach grace with no buts. I feel like that we just need to try it out. <laughs> try and I think we'll see like that the upside down kind of economy yeah. that God has set up of like the way things work is like if we just preach grace. Yeah. Just grace. Like the morality piece, like we'll grow into that like yeah. naturally. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we won't have to like whip ourselves, like grit our teeth. Cause I, I was told a long, a long time ago that like, there's a difference between endurance and patience. Yeah. Like patience is a fruit of the spirit and endurance is not. And like, I so often try and turn like patience is something you're given. It's not something like you can endure, you can yeah. grit your teeth and be like, yeah, I'm going to, this is just a season. You know, we, we hear that phrase like, and I'm like, yeah, like, grit my teeth. Like I am just suffering for, and I think it's patience, but it's not. Like, I think fruit of the spirit comes from the Lord. Yeah. And like, that's where character growth happens. It's not really up to us, like, gritting our teeth through it or yeah, like yeah. trying to like will ourselves to be better people. Like, we really have to submit to like God's grace and his work in us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I'll quote my childhood friend. He, one time he was preaching. He never said this to me, but he said it when he was preaching, that you don't see apple trees out in apple orchards sweating to make apples. Right. To make apples. And I've all, that's always stuck with me because I'm like, but we're always sweating to make apples. We're we are. always sweating because, but it's, it's like I think I'd mentioned this Thursday, something I used to use like after I would share the gospel. I would say, look, here's the deal. You don't do things to be saved. You, you do things because you have been saved. And you can think about it this way. And this might be a poor analogy, but if if you're getting ready to get hit by a truck and I shove you out of the way and the truck hits me and kills me, I saved you. You could have died and you wouldn't got to go do anything else and you wouldn't get to see your family. So wouldn't it be a natural response for you to show up at my house and say, Renee, do you need, can I wash the car? Can I wash the house? Can we do something for you? What can I do? Like, and you're not doing it to be saved. You've already been saved. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because you're just grateful. Like, wow, I didn't deserve that because he lost everything yeah. for me to live. And then you start going, I'm not worthy to do this. And and I've been through a situation in my life that I was just like, I remember just breaking down and being like, God, I don't deserve to make it through this. But you allowed me to make it through it. And I just want to serve you. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem. When you start serving, you start trying to earn credits. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. So yeah. hard. So. It's I really think hard. It makes it more complicated, too, in this culture that we live in of social media and stuff like that. You know, you get this perfectionism that, every, you know, everything is presented oh, yeah. perfectly. <laughs> and in this little tile. <laughs> um, and so I think it makes that striving harder, you know, because you think everyone else is perfect and I'm all messed up and blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. 
I can tell you that I took like two weeks off from Facebook. I'm not a huge Facebooker. That sounds funny. Uh, sorry. But you're just regular sized? Yeah, I'm just regular sized. But the <laughs> I actually the only reason I picked it back up was because I do have friends that live in other states and across the country and the world who that's how I see what's going on in their life. And they're not it's just always having something. It was so freeing. Oh yeah. To I just not be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well I and can't that's, make heads and tails right now. Everybody's trying to do their best, but there's so many mixed signals coming through on everything that I think the only way you can rest is to just turn it off. And that's, I hate to be Mm. that way, but I can tell you that I had less, my anxiety levels dropped when I just put that stuff away and just said, okay, God, I trust you. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to look to you through all this. And uh, um, there's so much more in our society now that so many places to just pour yourself into that just take a little bit of you and so you're spread out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think that's why we all feel so overwhelmed yeah. so often now. So I know that's for me. So, What does being an elder at Missio Day mean to you personally? Uh, <clears throat> so for me, it's a very, it's scary in some ways. I have to rely on God because I can tell you if the number one thought I have is like when I look around and see the other elders, and I'm telling you, Brian, and John and Ron and Mark and uh, am I leaving him? Larry. Larry. Well, Larry's, I see, I don't put Larry because Larry and me are kind of, and so, sorry, that's just the, we've been classified that way for like a year, them and us for a little bit. Not really like that. Yeah, but you yeah, know, we're like yeah. elders in training and elders. Yeah, so uh, like when I hear Mark preach this morning, I'm like, you know, my mouth's, my jaw's hitting the floor because I'm like, I can't do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I I could, but I don't because I'm different. I'm, And that's okay. And they would say that. Like, that's not what you're here to do is the mm-hmm. way Mark does it. But you just look at those around you and you just go, I don't know. So I guess what, to answer your question is, it's with fear and trembling I move into it. Seriously, like, because uh, people, you know, there's a scripture and I'm blanking right now, it might be in James, possibly, where he says, you know, don't seek to be teachers. Don't desire this because you're going to be held Mm -hmm. to a greater standard. And I just look at it and I go, well, I know I'm messed up. (laughs) Like like I'm already heading into this, already knowing that. I mean, that's part of the, that's the point maybe. But uh, so it's very intimidating. And I also know that people, um, I can tell you right now that I had lots of people in my life that gave me good turning points, mm-hmm. but I had people in my life that messed me up. You know, they mm-hmm. gave me spiritual advice that was wrong and God got me through it. But, you know, I had to get through several years, lots of years of of seeing uh, things a certain way and going, wait, this just isn't right. Like I've been heading down this direction doctrinally and it's just not ringing true the closer I get, the more I dig in. So... I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to just answer people to answer something. I want to be able to say some people, I know some people in Messio know him. His name was Jim Brackett. Um, he's been like a father to me. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, for a long time um, after he helped me a lot after I, I had some, I had, I had this really bad accident back years ago and he kind of helped me get myself back on my feet mentally and everything. Um, Cause I was really struggling with a lot of stuff, but I'll never forget. He, the first time I met him, he said, look, he goes, I don't have the answers to everything, but I'm willing to wait in with you. And that's always stuck with me. And that's what I want to be for people. Like, I don't got, I don't have no answer for you. Maybe if it's something like, should I get cream in my coffee or not? I'll be like, go with the cream. <laughs> like, yeah. But when it comes to things, but I, I want to be that person who can say, I'll wait in with you. We'll, yeah. we'll do it together. Yeah. And that, that meant so much to me. And so that's what I, that's what it means to me. It's just being with people and learning and growing together. For those who may not know, what does the role of an elder entail? Like what are the responsibilities? Preach and teach. Is this going to be examined by the other elders? <laughs> yeah, actually they're in the other room. I don't think they listen they're to this. <laughs> this is the final <laughs> test. <laughs> the final test. They do put you through the ringer. What was your question again? Oh, what well, is it? Entail? What are the responsibilities of elders? Uh so so preaching, teaching, any kind of ministerial needs, mentorship, just counseling people, anything that's needed. And, it, and you know, there's some that do worship. You know, they're, they have, each, each person has 
definitely their strengths. Mm-hmm. So they haven't figured mine out yet. Oh my gosh! The strength of <laughs> the strength of laughter. <laughs> All right, who's your favorite elder? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. You remember how you said? Who's that? your least favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I I really appreciate your preaching, and I Thank think you, you it have, terrifies me. Well, uh, yeah, I know that, but <laughs> you have a lot of wisdom about other religions too. Like, I mean, you've talked about talking to Jehovah's Witnesses and where did you learn all that? Or did you just read it? Well, one, as far as Jehovah's Witnesses, I seem to have worked with a couple, three of them over the years. And so you just have to, and I've had very deep conversations with them. I'm not going to say I want any of them. At one time, I think I actually thought I probably lost my job that day, but uh, I didn't. Um, For me, they're back to, you know, I had like this life crisis in 2005. And through that, I I hit this place where I was like, wait, what do I believe? Like it just all of a sudden became this way. Because to be honest with you, up to that point, I was like, oh yeah, I preach, I teach sometimes. And I get to study and I had this great young men's group that I was dealing with. Like it was awesome because we would just, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And I was pretty much a huge sinner who was just feeling the love of God, but not coming to realization of where all that and why all that was needed. And uh, through that, <clears throat> it put me in this place where I was like, wait, what do I believe? Because if I died and I went to heaven or I don't know, where you know, and what do I really believe about it? Like, I need to take this serious. So I started like, you could ask Renee like for a year and you can cut this if you want, but I call it my year of hell. <laughs> so like for a year, I would have like three and four books at a time going and I would just be studying through them like, well, what do other people believe? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not an authority or an expert on anybody, but, you know, I was like, well, let's look into Hinduism. Let's look into, you know, uh, Islam. Let's look into some sectarian because, you know, we think that Christianity is the only one that has all these sectarian groups, Mormons and and Jehovah's Witnesses. And maybe some people wouldn't qualify them as sectarian at this point because they're so large, but... um but you even see it within Islam. There's Baha'i faith that's rooted in Islam. Um, and you just start to see patterns. And so that's how I learned a lot of that stuff is just studying, going, what do they believe? And and the cool thing is you should never be afraid of that. I've had a couple of friends that read the Quran just to see what it was all mm-hmm. about. And some Christians are like, oh, if you read it, you might be. And they actually walked away from it going, man, it's like really it's not the Bible at all. It's one dude. And yeah. it's just – and so you shouldn't be afraid of that stuff. Because if what you have is truth, you shouldn't be afraid for it to be tested. Right. Yeah. If, if it's not truth, then you don't need it. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So so I just I started pouring through that stuff, and um, that's how I kind of got to know some of it. And we live in Asheville, so there's a little bit of everything here. Asheville is a very spiritual town and always has been. If you start studying and looking back historically, Asheville has always been a town of diverse thoughts per Mm -hmm. se like um a lot of people don't know this mary eddie baker of christian science spent some time here jehovah's witnesses used to have huge rallies here Mm -hmm. seven day adventist huge in this community park ridge which is now advent like so so there is a lot of spirituality and if you go walk down through west Asheville and you look on the message boards man i would be like my head would explode if i was trying to find some religion to be in because there's so much. Mm-hmm. And so, and everything's usually a variation. But oh, so back to what I was saying, like what I found with all those religions, even the ones who are like enlightenment or like, oh, you're growing and you're going to be enlightened and you're, you know, whether it be you're going to come back as something else, all those religions kept forcing me back to Christ. Mm-hmm. They all kept making me go, wait, these all require something of me. I'm not going to get enlightened unless I figure out what it is that needs to enlighten me. Unless I get better at all this, I'm going to come back as a cockroach. And who's determining that? Like, I'm a pretty decent guy. (laughs) Why do I get to be a cockroach? Like, so you're always striving to prove yourself or to meet all these commands. Christianity is the only religion that I could find that was like, no, I did it all for you because I want all the glory. I did it. I saved you. Now just live in it. Glorify my name by what you did. My grace is sufficient. Like... And so it actually caused me to realize like Christianity is the only one I can remotely even be a part of because it's not got anything to do with my ability. So, mm-hmm. so that's how I got there on that. 
you've alluded several times to, do you want to talk about your accident? My accident. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't want to, you guys to think, I got to think of this late later as I kind of mentioned that to you guys. It, it, I think of it as a defining point in me, not it's a, it was one of the major changes in my life that shifted. Yeah. So yeah, I had back in 2005, which is a long time now, I'd had a, a mountain bike accident. I was over in the DuPont forest and uh, state forest or whatever it's called. And uh, me and another guy were riding. We were moving along pretty good. It was the end of the day. And, uh, and I can't tell you, I don't have, I, I can remember everything about that day, but I can't remember the accident. Praise God. And uh, long story short, we both ended up crashing out on the main road. I think we were probably moving really quick. We were, we were really moving. He hit me, drove me into a guardrail. And I had a helmet on, but it caught the side of my face. So, it, so I have like five fractures in my face. They go from my eye sockets down to the top of my teeth. And my teeth are still, they still have the ability to maybe die out at some point because I don't have all my feeling back in my upper teeth. They're just, I don't notice it, but sometimes a little bit. And then I have three fractures inside. It was funny because I never broke a bone in all those years of doing sports. And then when I do break a bone, I break my face. <laughs> I've broke stuff since then. <laughs> but anyway, so I had that. Uh, it was really bad, I guess. You know, it's it was weird because I woke up like, few days later in a hospital in South Carolina. I didn't know all this till about a month or so later when I started asking questions. Got medevaced. Another funny point, because um, my whole life I wanted to fly in a helicopter, but always, you know, you go to Gatlinburg, it's like $35. I'm like, I'm not paying you $35 to fly in a helicopter. How much did you pay for that helicopter ride? <laughs> it was like 4000 bucks, and I don't even remember it. Yeah. Like, but from what I can tell, I probably, it's a good thing I didn't remember it, because they inundated me. Apparently, I was out moving around at the scene, but I couldn't see, because like my eyes were full of blood and all this stuff, and I had, so they had inundated me and done all that stuff. And, uh... It was really a time of major change because I got to understand the church more. So Renee gets home. Amelia's like four, five years old. And she gets home, and it's a message from the other guy's wife like, hey, there's been an accident. They've taken my husband to this hospital. They took him to Brevard. But we don't know. I don't know where they took your husband. So she had to start figuring out. So she had kept calling hospitals and then calling ranger stations, which there's a whole story there. It was amazing how God provided people that showed up at the scenes to help. And now all this I get from other people. I don't have any memory mm-hmm. of it. But a nurse who was on her way to work at Mission, I don't know why she's living out that far, but I guess that's not far from some. She was there. Uh, someone pulled up and was like, oh, I know where the ranger station is. So they went straight for the ranger station. So all these things are working together. She ends up finding out. She talks to, there's like four major hospitals in Greenville, something like that. The good thing was they take me to one that was like really good with neurotrauma. So... You know, you try to just find all these things like these are good things, but they had cut my shoes. They'd cut everything off of me. They cut the shoestrings. They cut my pack. They cut everything off of me. But so my wallet all got left with the Rangers, which they had my bicycle, my wallet, everything. I had a friend go get that. But so I was a John Doe. And when she finally found me, she's falling apart. She finally finds me there like, we think it's him. He came in John Doe. You probably need to get down here ASAP. And so they said I was unrecognizable. Because my friend, who's a pastor, he got down, he beat her down there and was able to get in on his pastoral credentials. Mm-hmm. And she got down there. But that's when we saw the church really come in because there's people who visited me in that hospital to this day. I've never met them. Like they came, they drove down there and visited with me or visited with Renee. Yeah. And then there was people who called people in South Carolina and said, take Renee this. Like they brought her toothbrush. Mm. Stuff mm-hmm, she needed, mm-hmm. they brought to her in the hospital. And it was touch and go because the doctor's like, you know, minimum, it's probably like seven months before he gets back to work. We don't know. We're watching him because at the time I was like right at that point where there's like maybe bleeding on the brain. Like there's some word for it. And they were like, we just never know with this kind of thing. Like if someone's going to be what they're going to be, it's just an area we don't know. And so they, my friend got there. He's like, Renee, let's pray for him. They prayed for me. I would like to tell you I stood up and walked out of the hospital. I didn't, but God expedited it. I have very few memories of the hospital, just little vague shadowy memories, but more funny stuff got to come out of it. I got to the first place she had to take me. They released me in like five or six days to go home with her to get back to Asheville. Um, she picked me up. They pulled me up front, but I had my pajamas on. This is so Jimmy. This is me. This is. <laughs> she had to take me to the eye doctor in South Carolina, so I go into the eye doctor in my pajamas. Like, and I'm just sitting, in the <laughs> that's so me. It's like, and so, uh, I got to do that and then get back, but it was rough because those first few months, my brain was basically rebooting itself yeah. and I slept a lot, a lot. Um, it wasn't till about two months in that I was like, one not laying in bed, I was like 
So what happened to me? Because <laughs> I hadn't cared at that point. I yeah. was just in this law right. land. I thought a car had hit me. Like, I just thought a car had hit me. And she goes, well, we don't know for sure, but the other guy had collided with you. Yeah. He was pretty tore up because I went and saw him not long after that. And he was, he had a lot of scarge going on. But, um, so it was really, it was hard for a long years because Renee suffered a lot of like, I call it PTSD from that. Like everything in her life just flipped. Sure. It went from like, everything's okay to bam, it's not good at all. And what am I going to have to do with this? And they had to send me to, um, so it kind of rapidly, but I did get, once again, my grandparents raised me when I was a kid. Now Renee's got to go back to work. Though there were some good, like, people at work were giving up time off so that I wouldn't have to go on mm-hmm. temporary disability, which is like apparently you don't get very much or whatever. Yeah. Like, So a lot of good things like that come out of it, but they had put me back at my grandparents watching me during the day, which is just so hu- humbling. And I would just go in the room I slept in when I was a kid, and that's where I'd stay all day because I didn't want to admit, like, I'm totally here being watched by these elderly people, and I'm like an yeah. adult. And... uh but then I got to stay home, so there was some first. The first thing I did when my friend brought my bike and everything back, Peter would probably relate to this, I snuck outside and threw my leg over because I didn't have any memories. And so I was like, if this is going to happen, I want it to happen now. So I got on the bicycle in the backyard because I was waiting for, like, the movies, like, everything to start flooding, and it didn't happen. But I did get back on a bike, and then I put it back up and didn't ride it for a while. But uh, a lot of firsts, I remember going for a ride in a car, I wasn't supposed to, but I got in the car and drove. I think I drove to the church we were going at the time and then back home. But through that, I started, I mean, it was just so trying. And at first, I was so happy and so elated that I'd get to see my daughter grow mm-hmm. up. Um, but then that started fading, and I had seen, I don't want to get into those details, but I had seen a church sign or a particular church, and it made me go, well, why do they believe that? Mm-hmm. Like, what if we're wrong and we should be doing what they do? And that's when I started going, because then everybody started saying, you know, you almost died, which created a lot of issues in me. Probably is where my analyticalness comes from now, because I'm afraid of making a mistake because people go, oh, yeah, that's because he had a head injury. You know, it's just mm-hmm. natural to feel that way because they put you through so much to figure out where you're at. Sure. Which I passed all that, apparently. Actually, the guy was like, he talks a lot. <laughs> but uh, so just seeing all that correspond, see how the church is working, see how God's. And then that makes me start going, wait. Because I would start seeing Scripture differently. I was seeing Scripture a little differently. Like, it jumped out at me when Paul said, he fell at Jesus' feet, and he goes, depart from me, for I am a sinner. And I was like, why is Paul, like, falling down and telling Jesus to get away from him? Like, Paul's like, get away from me. Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to be here. All he did was catch some fish. And then, and those are the things that made me start digging in and going, wait, because Paul knew who he was he had some inclination of who he was beside. He wasn't full yet, but he had enough to know. Like, you mean Peter? Peter, Peter. Yeah. I'm not, not Paul, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Now, that see, that totally kicked me <laughs> off the elders' board right there. <laughs> but, uh, I just got a call. <laughs> yeah, her phone's going off. Peter, tell him Peter. No, it was Peter. It wasn't Mary or Paul. It was just Peter. <laughs> some people, older people, get that. Um, so what Peter does that. And then I also saw scriptures like I'd seen forever that said, all things work together for good. All things work together for good to those who believe, whatever. And But then as I read the scripture in its entirety, because the world uses that verse. Right. All things work together for good. Sports world. Oh. <laughs> but when you read the whole scripture, it's like those who are called by Christ or those who are like, it's it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jesus calls out, oh, I will tell you one that scared me because the denomination I, I used to be in. And I read it and it said, you know, there'll be those who come to me in the last days and they'll say, did we not do these works? Did mm-hmm. we not mm-hmm. cast out devils? Did we not? And I mm-hmm. was never in a church that cast out devils, but I'm saying they were on the more charismatic side. But the that scripture says, they'll, they'll say to Jesus, wait, did we not do all these things in your, your name? Mm-hmm. And that used to scare me. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I haven't done any of those yeah. things. <laughs> so I know I'm not in. What's up with that? But it was the rest of that sentence. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So they weren't real believers. They were living in sin. They weren't just sinners who got saved. They were people who were claiming Christ who were just sinning. Like they mm-hmm. were taking the glory. They were sponging off of it, but they, they, that's all they did was work iniquities. And so all those things started to challenge me, and it was a scare. I remember just pulling over sometimes. I'd finally went back to work, went back early. Uh, the first week I was back, I was on super light duty. Once they cleared me, 
at the doctor's. I had to go meet a guy who just put me through a battery of all these tests just so they could see where you're at. And I passed all those things. But that creates this problem in you. Now, it hit me about two months in. I was like, wait, everybody's watching me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I better not mess up. So it created a whole new level Mm of anxiety. And I got back that first week. This is why I call it that year of of hell. And a coworker I was with, he commits suicide like mid of that week. Mm. And I'm like, I'm already spinning because the first day I was back, I called this doctor over at Tom's to ask him at Tom's rehab to see like, I feel like the room's closing in on me. Mm. You know, like, because I was mm-hmm. finally back in my normal environment. He's like, oh, it's totally normal. Don't worry about it. It's just rebooting and you're just not, you're just trying to get back in your normal environment. And I was feeling that way. And then I get the calls like, oh, dude, you know, he, yesterday this happened and just all that's piling in on me. So it's challenging me. Like what do I believe what did this guy believe? Did I say, you know, mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. who am I in, in his life? Cause we'd had a conversation the day before. Actually he did it that evening. We'd had a conversation. I, I had to leave early to go to a counseling appointment, mm-hmm. but I called him. This is like a totally gung ho dude who was like, he became special forces at like age 29. He was like that guy. Like I would look at his arms and be like, I hope I never make him mad. He'll like totally pop me like a grape or something. So it was really awkward. And I remember calling him like, Hey dude, what's wrong? Cause I could tell something mm-hmm. was up with him. And he's like, I was like, we'll get through this job. You know, I'm mm-hmm, thinking, and mm-hmm. he's like, ah, oh, I just need a vacation. And I knew some weird things were going on, but just trying all that hit me at once. And so it made me have to really look at eternity. Like, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And then that set the journey for me looking at my own life and going, man, I'm more than just a sinner saved by grace. I, I'm doing a lot of stuff that is not good. Mm. Like we all have struggles, but I was taking it flippantly. And so I was living almost these two lives, not knowingly, you know? Mm. And so super challenging, got through that. And that's, that's what life's been really for me is God bringing me to new places where I'm just fall into brokenness. And then I realized that all those things had to happen, not my sin, but all those things had to happen to me to know how much he loves me. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Did you have any depression after that? Oh, wow. Okay. Long struggled with it. And so that's where you too, you go, is it chemical? Is Mm. it depression from feeling not enough? Sure. Or feeling like it's even hard for me now to bring up any kind of brain injury because this we're human. I know I'd listen to me and go, huh? You know, like, (laughs) like some people are you, it's that, but that's me being, that's me, you know, letting my guard down and saying, yeah, these things happen to me. But so yeah, depression. I think I already struggled from those things, but everything's heightened. Yeah. Like every, they say sure. when you have, and it depends on which side the damage has happens. Uh, there's all this, there's still so much they don't understand about the brain. Right. Like yeah, this yeah. is really, most of those doctors be like, yeah, <laughs> just don't know. Game. Yeah. But, but the main point being is that that was something that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, God took me down. I don't believe that, but I believe God uses things. Mm-hmm. Maybe he allows things to happen so that he can. Because that would be vind- that would be different than his character in the Bible that he's like that's it I'm gonna teach Jimmy a lesson, right? I think that he foresaw, ordained, whatever you want to terminology you use, but he used that to. And I'm so thankful. I would go through it again. It was tough, but I'm telling you that it opened my eyes up about my marriage because I think you guys probably know. I think I'd mentioned that that morning. I was so self centered. I just wanted to go ride my mountain bike. Mm-hmm. Like I'd been planning this. I was like hitting DuPont. Da, da, da. And I had gotten, my wife had asked me to do something and I totally like bit her head off. It's like, this is my time today, blah, blah, blah. And it totally, God used it to show me. And I'm still so far from being like this perfect husband, like, or being a good, you know, in my opinion, what, you know, I could have so much area to work in, but, but, uh, it just helped me see that, how much we were, she was there for me, but how much was going on in my marriage that I wasn't taking serious and that it also pointed out things that, and it was tough for us. There were things that I had to go to her and say like, you know, these are things, these are struggles, these are problems, these are things like, and it was, it was tough. Like Mm -hmm. it, those were some like tough times. And, um, so God did so much through it. And maybe I, you know, for a long time I defined that life before and after, I don't think about it so much anymore, but, but I always, it's always a point in my mind that goes, okay, there's these shifts, but this one was a hard shift. Like, mm-hmm. like I better start thinking more yeah. seriously about this. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Awesome. 
What initially sparked your relationship? Well, and I will tell you, like, it's it's so crazy because I have to look at it and go, it was totally God that put us together because we've grown a lot. I mean, yeah. We truly have. And How does she steer you towards Christ-likeness? She's done it a lot. I mean, in so many things. She's been good at pointing out, knowing what I— because when I'm like, why should I not do this or do this? What should I be doing? She has a good handle on what I should be doing. She definitely doesn't hold back. Like when I'm doing something that's more honest or goofy, she'll tell me. Yeah, just in so many ways, she spots when I'm running off the tra- the the rails. And oh, that's what it was. So for her, she just became a believer. She didn't smoke or drink or do any of those things. Now she grew up in an environment that was full of those things. But because of the fullness of those things, because they were so prevalent, Mm. it made her go, I want no part Mm -hmm. of those things. And so I look at that and I'm like, her baggage is different. Mm. Mine is so plentiful and most of it I brought on myself. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'll take that, put it in the bag, you know? And uh, whereas her baggage, heck, I probably created half of it. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm just being honest here. Um, I think that's what spouses do is they help create some baggage while removing others. But yeah, just seeing her as someone who's, she's pretty much who she is, like always. And she's not got, I really don't have to worry about her popping up one day and going, you know, me finding out she has some hidden problem. Like, it's just not a part. I'm not saying she's, everyone's capable of all those things. And as soon as you realize that, you're going to be better off. But she's, (laughs) she's really just stable. Mm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying she doesn't have her weakness and strength. We all do. You know this, the older you get and the more people you're around, even your heroes, the more time mm-hmm. you spend with them, you're like, dang, mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy's not. Yeah. Matt Chandler recently said that about himself. Like get, hang out with me a bunch. And you'll be like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> and that's true for most of us. So yeah. So that's that. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Well, let's move into a little thing we call the lightning round. All right, Jimmy, you ready? Maybe. <laughs> okay, what's your worst car ever? Oh, worst car ever. 1979 Buick. I've done forgot the name of it, but it like had an oddball motor and it was really long. And the blue. Electra? Tornado? Uh, no, this was built on like a Cadillac chassis. Okay. So it was like huge and long, had a vinyl top on mm-hmm. it. It was mint blue, had the little velour inside. I worked, mowed a bunch of grass. It cost me $800. It had 300 miles on 300,000 miles on it. Bought it for one of my dad's customers. He made me work out every single penny of it. And it was not the coolest car. And I remember pulling up to the Asheville Mall one time and these kind of gothy kids come out. And I knew one of them, they're like, give us a ride. And the other kid was like, your grandma's car. And I was like, you just lost your ride. <laughs> I drove off. I left. I was there. Because, yeah, so that was my worst. Like, it was transportation, but it was not. Nobody was like, oh. He must be awesome. Look at his car. <laughs> it looked like I totally stole my grandmother's car and took off in it. Yeah. One to ten, how good at your keeping secrets? Oh, I think I'm pretty good. I mean, I know like five about you right now, and I've not <laughs> even said them through this whole no. No, I'm pretty good. I'm really good at keeping secrets, I think. Yes. I know the answer to this, but if you had to watch one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. I know what you want me to say, The Office, right? I don't want you to say that. <laughs> I just watched you like – Pretty, pretty much uh, do a skit of the entire thing. <laughs> I do enjoy The Office because I have worked in those environments and I could create my own office. Every one of those characters in there are absolutely people that I've worked with. <laughs> and I relate to it tremendously. So, yeah, I think it would be The Office because it just gives me a moment of laughter because I've worked with a Dwight and I've worked with a Jim. And- oh, man, I've never seen two people love something so much as when you and Dawn... <laughs> I mean, they literally probably talked for an hour and we're both crying. I was like, (laughs) I just want to like something that much. Anything at Uh, all. As much as you guys like The Office. What are you listening to these days? (laughs) Oh, wow. So that's not a good question to ask me because I am all over the place. It drives my wife and daughter crazy. They don't like me controlling because I immediately connect my phone to the car when we're in Renee's. Mm -hmm. And so the last few days, because I've been in this mood, I have a, a... what I call a chill playlist, which is very jazzy, but I've got some really off just groups that are like totally on the outside you wouldn't know about. It's really chill, and I've been listening to the last. So I'm always listening to something, always influent, like something going on. But the last few days I've been listening to this, I think it's Kid Koala. 
and he's not a kid. He's an older guy, but he is a, it's just, he's just a DJ. Um, yeah. Kid Koala. And the name of the album is some of my best friends are DJs. So. Cool. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, yeah, and the Beastie Boys. The last 24 hours, I totally like the Beastie Boys. So. Yeah. Cilantro, love it or hate it? Oh, I like it. I don't know if I love it, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Good note to end on. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for yeah. sharing your story with us. Yeah. Oh, All right, let's close it up. Thanks for listening to the Vox Pop, everybody. We believe that everyone has a story worth telling, and this podcast exists to those stories. If you want to be a guest on the Vox Pop, you can email voxpop at mdcashville.org. That's V-O-X-P-O-P at mdcashville.org. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.